Hey, this is Steve Molly with Molly Marketing and Molly Tourism. Uh, you can find out more about us on the uh, tourism side of it at mollytourism.com, M-A-L-Y tourism.com or mollymarketing.com. I was excited and blessed to get to know Pablo over the past year. A good friend of mine and made the intro to us here probably about six, seven months ago at this point in time. You know, dude, from the get-go, he just has different energy than normally you'd find with a bunch of people, especially with the group that kind of made the intro. It was like seven of us strangers, eight of us strangers on this random Zoom call. And you could tell right away, like he was a different dude and a guy that understands people, that cares about people, wants to connect with people, and just wants to have a deeper relationship with people. And not necessarily because he's trying to make a dollar a day, like he understands what relationships is all about. And that's why you should really listen to, to Pablo and some coming episodes. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that, I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person, and therefore has something to teach you, and you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring, and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel, designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now. If you want to learn how to get to know people, get them to know you, and build a world-class network. Some episodes will be interviews, some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport, and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want. Now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected. Welcome back to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. I'm your host and Chief Executive Connector, Pablo Gonzalez. And today we have my friend, Steve Malley, who I got introduced to by Eric Sullivan, also show, show star here. Steve, I find particularly intriguing because he is an old dog in the marketing game as far as somebody that is my peer and me being so new to all of this. I'm just fascinated by his longevity in it the transition over the last 14 years of what is happening. He comes across as a very, just a warm face and an open attitude to talk to that that I connected with immediately. Keynote speaker, thought leader, activist, marketing G from Nebraska with a big, <laughs> a big <laughs> corn husker over here. Steve, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you, man? Great, great. Definitely appreciate appreciate the intro. That's one of the better ones we've had in quite a while. So that was awesome. Is it, man? I feel like I didn't really like. I said I just came back from uh, I just came back from this like golf tournament where I've been like Mr. Hype Man all day, and I'm like I wasn't seeing anything like this, and I felt you know I felt like I disappointed you there, man. So I'm glad you. <laughs> well, you've seen it at conferences in the past. I'll just read off of a piece of paper, and I've literally done this before. They're like, hey, do you have a bio? I'm like, yeah. I've sent it to you a couple times, but hold on. So I'll write one up. If like, you know, Steve was born in Africa in the back of a car. His parents yep. were missionaries and like just going this whole thing and they've read it out loud before. And like, it's fun. It's something different. It's a good time. That's cool. Yeah. He, uh, he's blessed the rains down in Africa. And um... yep. Yep. <laughs> awesome, man. Steve, as I told you a little bit right before we started, I have this thesis on human connection. One is the idea that 
the two quickest ways to connect with people is to add value to their lives, which I think we're going to do with this conversation for sure. And the other one is to share a vulnerability. So I like to ask my guests uh, to share with our friend who's listening in her ear right now, something that you're struggling with right now, something you struggled with in the past so they can connect to you as a human. And then we'll go into your superpowers as a marketer. Yeah, definitely. I know one of the things I struggled with for a while and just overcame in the last month, month and a half was really being just fully present in conversations. Because one of those things as an entrepreneur, like I'm always on a clock, if you will. My brain's always thinking about this and this. What about tomorrow? We got this going on. Or even like, hey, you know, right now in an hour, I have another meeting. I'd start future tripping with that. And I always thought one of the most powerful things you could do is be fully present in the moment. And I'd meet those people and you could tell it's just them. And that was it. Like, I don't know how the hell do they do it, but it's always a big struggle. And then was able to overcome it through a program called Mind Fix, which is really pretty interesting, really kind of deep. It's a 12 week program, mm. but it helped out so much, so much. Cause now I feel like I can make that much deeper of a connection with somebody because all the other noise just doesn't fully exist. Even if I'm coming to, to say I have a meeting in an hour, and even if that's coming up and we're, you know, 10 minutes or five minutes into it, it's like, no, like, I'm still here, I'm still good. So really kind of focusing on that, it just makes a huge difference. And I think it's one of the most powerful gifts you can give somebody at this point in time is your 100% attention as you're really trying to connect with them. So you said you overcame this recently. When did you When did you finish this program? Two weeks ago. We started <laughs> it in December. Yes, yeah, a real recent. Started in December. There was a mastermind I belonged to called Baby Bathwater. And uh, she was part of it for a while. And uh, struggling, you know, it's November. I'm like, you know, I need to. I've hit a wall. Like I've tried a few different things and there was a lot of other stuff to kind of work on it as well. So I reached out to her and she's like, all right, well, tell me some of the issues that you're working on. And I guess one of the other issues was like thinking small, you know, like, well, yeah, we could go after this client, but that might be too big or this opportunity, but it might be. And just kind of thinking small. So that was the two big things was kind of working with her on making those type of adjustments. And really it's been huge. I mean, you've, you've seen it. You've met people that, you know, make numbers up. I've represented a $10,000 company and I met other people that have represented a $50 million company. And once you're able to really connect with them, they're people, you know, there are people just like the rest of us. And I think for me, it was kind of thinking small has really held me back from some of those connections and not being present, held me back by much further as well. And it was great to really kind of overcome that. Interesting, man. That's, that's really interesting to me because I very much struggle with presence, right? Like I, I am butterfly chaser guy and, you know, I'm thinking of a million things and what am I going to see next <clears throat> instead of like what you're saying, right? Like I struggle with that. And number one, you're right. When you find somebody that's truly, truly present, it's big, right? Like we talked about Ryan Moran. I remember when yeah. I met him and it's like, it's like all this chaos around this conference. And I spoke to him and it was like, I felt like I was the only person talking to him, you know, like that. Yep. That that really shines through, man, which is super valuable. But I'm the opposite on the other end. I I'm I'm like Mr. Think Big all the time, right? So like yeah. interesting how it's like the two the two final things. What is your for me presence? I did not accept this idea of that I'm not present enough until my wife kind of like talked to me about it for about five, six years in a row. What yeah. was your what was your feedback loop of knowing that you needed to to invest in that? It was just on um, some wife, family, for sure. Also just employees. And like, hey, do you got a minute? I'm like, dude, no, nope. I'm busy. I got this. I got this. Hey, what about this? Okay, well, I'm multitasking. While you're talking to me, I'm listening about multitasking. And I realized like, dude, I'm not serving them. 
I'm not giving them any additional value. I'm like, I'm the leader of the company. I own the company. You know, do I really want them to model my behavior with, you know, the people they manage and the people they're around on a day-to-day basis? Like I said, it really kind of came to a head where I literally remember somebody walking in to my office and they're like, hey, you know, I got to chat for a couple of minutes. I'm like, hey, just, you know, I got seven minutes and that's it. And like, I don't know why I said the seven minutes. I kind of set expectations a little bit, but I also realized through kind of this work, it was like my way of telling people, hey, just, you know, I'm important. In seven minutes, I got to meet up with somebody else. Just, you know, just, you know. And it's like, dude, that's not a way to treat people as you go through it. And again, you have to set boundaries. You got to set expectations and all those type of things. There's numerous ways to really do it. And there's two good friends of mine. They're just phenomenal at being present. And I just feel so much more energy chatting with them and being there in the moment with them. Because you know they're not future tripping or thinking about what they should have done yesterday or things along those lines. Yeah, I catch myself doing both of those a lot. Interesting, man. For the record, I know that you and I have spoken two, three times. And it's been on Zoom. I don't get that sense from you. I get, I like, you have very much a present feel to you, at least when you are speaking with me or, or, or whatever, right? So it's not like you, I don't know, maybe it's like the frenetic rate of speed of, 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 of speech or something that I associate with it, but you don't come across that way. So is that something that a lot of people have told you or is it, is there a, was it very internal coming from you? Like, was this an external feedback thing or an internal feedback thing? It was very much an internal feedback thing. And that's probably why I noticed it more often than not during COVID because most conversations are with Zoom. You'd be like 10 minutes in the conversation, you know, then I'll pull up another browser. Let me look at this. Let me look at my calendar. Let me just check my phone. Not that it went off, you know, like a notification. Let me just glance down at it. And that's when I'd really start to notice it. And it's like, dude, I got to do something different. Awesome, dude. Uh, you're describing me and it's making me really uncomfortable. So let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Change the subject. Let's move on. Yeah, let's go. Let's go to the next subject because I can't be here for this one. Cool, man. Steve, first of all, I would love for you to kind of describe your business these days, what it looks like, the breadth of it, the scope of it, how many people you have employed, stuff like that. And then I want to kind of dig in a little bit into how you got there and and what I what I find really interesting about you. Yeah, absolutely. So we're a firm right now of 10 people. We're in the process of hiring another two to maybe two and a half two full-time, part-time. Uh, we have final interviews for a couple of them this week. So hopefully we can pull the trigger on it and have them start in eh, late March, beginning of April overall. So really we have three segments of business. One segment, and we do a ton in the tourism work. And we're investing really heavily in the sales and marketing of the tourism side of it. So it's trying to get people to come to a community, a county, state level at times to you know take a vacation. And it could be a, like a full vacation or just a road trip. Let's stop by, we got a quick weekend, let's get out of the house, let's go do something. And so we've been in that market for about a dozen years, and now we're really trying to expand our footprint coast to coast. And so we've had some really interesting conversations just well, last month now, February, really around that tourism aspect of it. So that's what we're really good at is figuring out what's distinctive about these communities, how to pull people in, you know, how to make it not sound like you're just like all these other communities are trying to get tourists and all that type of stuff as well. So that's a third of the business. Another third of the business is we do a ton of online advertising for people that have been on Shark Tank in the past. People that have hit the New York Times bestsellers list or are trying to hit the New York Times bestsellers list, we're in that process actually for a client right now. And then people who are kind of like quasi-celebrities in their own space. Most of it happens to be in the health space. Okay. So last year, we managed about $9 million in Facebook ad spend for them. We're actually part of the alpha and beta program for Facebook, which is really kind of cool. That's cool. To see the different things that potentially might be rolling out. And then the last third is mainly just small business, which is a catch-all. 
you know, we work with them on strategy, messaging, and positioning, and let's figure out the executions. You know, do you need to do a bunch of online? Do you, you know, does billboard and print ads work out well? Does TV, does radio work out well? Uh, which I know that's one of the things we want to kind of dive into is the traditional versus non-traditional stuff, if you will. I want to dive into things in kind of within these sectors that you just talked about. All right, let's let's just go. So one of the things that I am very interested, so I, I did a lot of economic development work in Miami as well, right? And one of the things that we yep. bonded on, and it immediately draws my eye to the way that you describe your title, how you call yourself an activist. Is, is that where that comes from? Or where is, why why do you position yourself as an activist? And tell me about that. Yeah, so I fell in love with it, God, maybe 12, 13 years ago. I saw somebody else using it out of Florida, actually. And I, don't know, I was thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, good, 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 smart people, trend centers. Yeah. And I was thinking about it. Like what I really love to be able to do is get my hands dirty. I like to be able to test things, what's working, what's not working, not simply read about it. And now let's spout off because I've read about it. Like I really want to get deep and involved with it. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, the activist, it works out well because people see it on my business card or see it on the website and they ask, you know, what the hell is an activist? And there's really only been one time until 2020 hit, 2020 kind of changed the title activist a little bit and people question a little bit here now, but it was mm-hmm. probably like seven years ago. We were doing, uh, or actually we got interviewed for a project with a, a, the sheriff's department for this county. And so I'm meeting up with this guy. This guy's ex-military. You know, he sits perfectly straight in his chair, buzz cut still to this day and all that. And so he asked me, he looks at my business card and he asked me, he's like, activist? He's like, what the hell is an activist? So I give him the whole spiel on what it is. And then he starts shaking his head. I'm like, what? He's like, you know what we used to do back in my day, son, to activists? I'm like, what's that? He's like, we used to shoot them. <laughs> I'm like, oh, crap. Well, we got the project. And it's memorable. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole key behind it is being memorable and, you know, give people a mask what the heck it is. So you have a chance to have a conversation. Yeah, that is that is what I really like about it is this idea. I've always, number one, I'm obsessed with category design and, and category king stuff, right? So the idea of being different and in, in a way that stands out, I think is really, really brilliant. I've always used non-traditional terms to describe myself. So I love the I love the approach of calling yourself an activist as a home pattern interrupt, right? Like a, yep. like it's really, really smart. I also find interesting your definition of activism, your definition of activism being somebody that is passionate enough to do the work, right? And not just a someone that thinks about it, speaks of it, but someone that gets their hands dirty coming from a coming from a place of of care. It's kind of how you said it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd rather be able to prove that it works or it doesn't work than take somebody's word for it or numerous people's word for it. You know, I, I just want to see that data myself. How does that work? I like it, man. All right. So let's, so let's talk about economic development from a marketing standpoint, right? Proving that somebody showed up to your city for a vacation, for a road trip, whatever. How do you how do you track that type of stuff? Like when you are when you're setting up a campaign for like fall in love with Lincoln, right, or something like that, right? Or or, or give me a live example, right? Like how do you how do you? How, it seems like such an intangible thing. Like are you counting cars? Like what is it data now? Like metadata from phones? Like how do you how do you know if you're successful with that? Hey, that's a good question. So you can actually track it at the phone level, but generally you got to spend a hundred thousand dollars a year to be able to track it. Most of the clients we have don't have $100,000 a year just to spend on the tracking portion of it, let alone all the other marketing things. Mm-hmm. So we really take a look at it in a couple of different ways. One is simply like your lodging tax. Most tourism is funded on lodging tax. 
So is that going up? Is that going down? What's the trend on that? Um, now that doesn't paint the entire picture because for example, we have one client that when we first started working with them, they didn't have very many hotels in their community. Well, now that we started working with them for the last five, six years, they have five brand new hotels. Because of the brand new hotels, the average room rate has really had to drop because before they could charge whatever the heck they wanted because there's no competition. Well, now they have more people coming and room rates dropping. So their lodging tax hasn't really gone up nearly as much as you would think, mainly because it's really balanced out the market, but they're getting more visitors than before. So we take a look at, hey, what's the request for visitors guides that are coming through? One of the big things, and it's simple, and there's more complicated ways to do this, but it's simple. It's like, all right, on day number one, how many people are going to Google to find out about you? Because regardless on, you know, if they, you know, see a, uh, a billboard, they see a print ad, they see a TV um, commercial, radio, whatever it may be, or something on, online, regardless of they find out about you, they're going to your website to find out more. So that means they're going to Google to find out more because most people don't remember the exact domain they need to be able to type in some discipline. So we always take a look at day number one, what's the demand for your community in Google? Fast forward at the end of the campaign, what's the demand for your community in Google? And on average with our clients, we'll see an increase of 57% on that type of increase. Another good example of this, have you ever heard of tanking before? Tanking? Tanking, going tanking. Yeah, yeah. Most people have it. So this is gonna sound, let me ask you this. Do you like to be outside when it's nice? Yes. Okay, do you like to uh, hang outside and then BS with a bunch of friends? Yes. Okay, do you like the water? I love the water. Okay, and do you like to do all those things while having like your favorite beverage in your hand? I do, yes. So you're perfect. So what you do is you take all those things and you hop into a horse tank, which sounds hillbilly, but it's actually fun <laughs> as hell. You hop into a horse tank with like lawn chairs and you just float. You don't have to steer. You don't have to drive. Nobody has to be like, quote unquote, the responsible one. And you just kick back, have a couple of drinks. If you need to jump out, you know, into the river or whatever, you can jump out, but you just flow. Well, most people haven't heard about it. And so when we're doing a project in particular for North Platte here in Nebraska is that we went to um, Colorado and we typed in or did research on how many people are typing in tanking Nebraska. Nobody was because nobody heard what the hell or knew what the hell it actually was. So at the end of the campaign, we did the exact same thing. And we saw an increase of hundreds of thousands of people typing in tanking Nebraska because they've seen our advertising in so many different ways. So again, it's a good way to see that increase overall impact that you're making. While you can't necessarily showcase the, hey, I put a dollar in and I got $5 back out of it. If you show enough influence, you know that the numbers at the end of the day are probably working out fairly well. First of all, take my money. I want to go tanking. <laughs> Perfect. I, listen, I in Florida, we have like lazy rivers, right? Like we got springs and mm -hmm. stuff like that where you just get in or like Austin's got the Guadalupe, right? Like the lazy river yep. thing. I'm, I'm very used to. I've never, I've never heard of this in the extra fratty version of like tanking. That's, that sounds really <laughs> fun. I'm in. So, so when it sounds like to me, right, I'm extrapolating this to the idea that you work across a couple different sectors. So before you engage a client, are you not just proposing a solution for how you're going to do it, but you're also reverse engineering the data that you're going to track? Like, do, are you, are you custom designing, not just the plan, but also this is how we're going to track results for every client kind of thing. Is that, is that a big part of what you do? Yeah. And it all depends on budget more, more often than that, it's kind of a retainer type of basis. And we know it has to start with strategy and it has to start with messaging and positioning. After that, after we do the research and figure out what that strategy is, who the audience is and how do you attract them, then we figure out the exact executions. 
but since it's retainer based, it becomes real fluid. And we, hey, we know this is working. This is a good opportunity to continue to here. Hey, next month, let's really kind of focus on this side of it. So we help really pull together the entire media plan for them as well. So with those type of clients, we meet up on a weekly basis, just kind of get some input. So what are you seeing on your side? Here's what we're seeing on our side. Here's some tweaks. Here's some opportunities. And continue. Because any type of marketing plan should be a growing living doc. Now, it can't be squirrel and changing yeah. nonstop. But you have to have some flexibility with it while still sticking to a plan to see if it's really working well or not. Got it. That makes sense. So what does it take to get somebody on the New York Times bestseller list? Like what kind of That's plans a, do you set up for that? Evidently, one of the keys right now is you got to custom the book title, which is kind of interesting. You got to what the book title? Cuss, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the popular books have some kind of cuss word in the book so title. A lot of not giving a fuck. Yeah, yeah. Unfuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Beyond that, so there's no like magic bullet. Like there's no true, true definition. There's trends. The reason is if Oprah releases a book tomorrow, Oprah is a huge name, guaranteed to hit the New York Times bestsellers list, even if she only sells 3,000 books because she has a big name and they know that they can really magnify it. To give you a general idea, you know, within the 30-day time period, you got to sell between 10 to 15,000 books. It has to be US-based. Cannot all be through just one channel. It needs to be through multi-channels and small business, big business, all that type of stuff. And I'm trying to think that, I think that largely is a caveat. They also then take a look kind of what category, what else is coming out in that category at the same time. How is your brand or name recognition, you know, against some of those other categories. And if you have better name recognition, they'll automatically put you up. So New York Times bestseller is not number one, sold more books than number two. Number two, sold more books than number three. Oh. I always assume so, but it's not necessarily that case. Is It's a little bit more fluid. So there's a lot of kind of flexibility that goes into it. But generally speaking, if you can do between ten to 15,000 book sales, you know, across different brands and stuff and have a decent kind of hook, you have a good opportunity to be able to hit it. And so far, we're 11 for 12 on making the list. Jeez, amazing. So that's really illuminating, man, to know that it's not really a quantitative award as much as a qualitative award or at least a mix, right? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Interesting. I had no idea about that. So if you take if you take a client, I imagine your clients all vary, right? So some of them may have mm-hmm. more brand recognition. Some of, some of them have curse words in their title. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Are you are you again reverse engineering kind of like the path of 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 how you get there and you and you have a a budget allocation plan with different channels that you're going to use in order to get it there? Are you working on marketing to the distributors as well? Are you also working on like the, how do you, how, what's your display look like in Barnes and Nobles to get you here so we can add that channel or? Not as much. A lot of times they'll work with somebody more on that distribution side okay. of it overall. Okay. Um, a couple things to keep in mind too is generally it'll cost between 50,000 to a hundred thousand to hit the list. Okay. Generally speaking, it's a loss leader. I mean, unless you're a proven author and you're not making money on way hit the list more often than not, it costs you something. We're actually working on one now that um, she'll launch at the very end of this month. And she just has a huge Facebook audience. Like People just love her. She's a very unique, authentic individual, great at connecting. So before we even started on the campaign, she already had 6,000 pre-orders. And so now we help kind of figure out, all right, to get somebody to pre-order the book, generally speaking, it's not just because they want the book. You got to give them some kind of incentive to go along with it. Is it a special class you get into? Is it a special education? Is it videos that only you see? Is it, hey, I'll get you a book. We also get you X, Y, and Z on top of it. So we do help them out with that bundling and that package and what it takes to kind of get there overall. 
But yeah, she had a bunch of Reagan fans. So for us to start running traffic and really start pushing this, mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident we should be able to hit it. We've had one other case where the publisher, uh, the book publisher itself said, hey, we have a list of 3 million women that fit your you know, demographics perfectly. Mm-hmm. We're going to mail them out or email them basically two or three times. We should be able to get about 7,000 people off of our own list to buy. So then you'll need to come up with three to 5,000-ish. Well, after the publisher emailed three times, they sold 870 books. So again, the goal is between 10 to 15,000. So in that case, we had to change strategies. But it's a strategy that we still use to this day. And a lot of it is long-form content. Like you just wrote a freaking book. Like you have a ton of content. And so it's almost going chapter by chapter. Here's a 10-minute Facebook Live. Here's a 30-minute Facebook Live. Here's a video for you know 15 minutes going through this chapter and this chapter and this chapter. Because very rarely is somebody going to watch every single one of them in sequence. Yeah. They'll see something, they'll fall in love with something, and then they'll make that decision to buy to, to learn more. So that long form kills it. Works out really, really, really well. Interesting. So what qualifies as long form? More than 30 minutes? A lot of times, anything more than like seven to eight. Okay. So what I talk about a lot of times is you always hear short, sweet to the point. Nobody has attention span, 15 seconds or less, 30 seconds or less. Like if you're retargeting, cool, that works. But if I'm trying to qualify somebody to buy something, that doesn't work. The perfect example is that my, like, I'm not a fan of cats. I might've just lost half your listeners, but I'm not a fan of cats. Half my family's allergic to cats, so we'll never adopt a cat. With that being said, I've also watched a bajillion 30 second cat videos. I'm not going to watch a seven minute cat video. Unless it's Tiger King, then I'll watch a seven-hour cat video, if you will. But like, I'm not going to. With that being said, if I'm watching a five-minute video or a seven-minute video, yeah. and I'm giving them my time, that means I'm pretty damn interested in what they have to say. So we set it up with that, and then we just set up retargeting. They've watched half of it, three-fourths of it, 95% of it. Um, so we've had uh, some of these videos 40 minutes, 50 minutes long. Sometimes it only costs, in one case I'm thinking about, is 73 cents to get somebody to spend 20 minutes with this video. I'll spend 73 cents all day long to get somebody to connect for 20 minutes with yeah. the video. Yeah. And now when you retarget them for anything, they're highly qualified, you know they're interested, and they're more likely to buy. So that's what we do a lot of times on the New York Times bestsellers list is qualify them with long form. It's a lot cheaper to go that way and then retarget with whatever offer we got. Brilliant. So that makes me feel really good because I just very recently, you know, in this world of having a podcast and whatever, like I'm not, and you know, I'm a fanatical friend maker, right? So now I've, yeah, I've, yeah. Re- I've realized that like whenever I like a book, I can reach out to somebody for, you know, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't cost me anything, right? So I've made, I've made friends with this guy, Robin Treek, who's like the ex head of behavior analysis for the FBI. And he's written a couple of books on like, sizing people up and like building trust and stuff like that. So like stuff I'm into already anyways. And I was like, dude, you should just go live on Facebook, open up your book and just read from it. Right. Like wouldn't, you, you know, cause you, you see, you see authors posting these like memes of themselves thinking or whatever. He's not doing that. Right. But like he's, yeah. but, but you see authors going real hard at like social media, trying to be artsy when I'm like, Bro, freaking a video of you reading your book would work really, really well to to get people in on it, right? Like hearing your voice, telling the story, maybe give some insight, like stop at a sentence and gives them a little bit of insight. So, yep. yep. I mean, again, you already created that content. Now it's just repurpose that content in a little bit of a different way. The one client that we had that worked out really, really well at the very beginning of it, she was always like, I always love to hear where you guys are from. 
Thanks for watching. You know, so appreciative of you guys. Just drop a note, just, you know, in comments, let me know where you're from. We would run that and still two months later, people would be dropping comments. Hey, you know, I'm from Iowa or I'm from California. I'm from whatever. It just gets that much social proof. Yeah. And more and more people see it. Like, it's amazing. It's cool. I love it, man. I, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea that like Hal Elrod built his whole miracle morning thing by having an experiential like podcast of you read my book. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's, let's grow it this way. Right. Like make it, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a big believer. I, I imagine that you must echo with this, but the, the idea that the more relationship driven you make your marketing, like instead of, I think people have it twisted. They think audience in to relationship where it's like, no man, it's relationship out to audience, right? Yep. Like yep. the more yep. tangible you make it, the better man. Yeah. So a lot of times we talk about with people is, so have you heard of wicked reports? Does it ring a bell at all? Yes. Yeah. The, like the, okay. the links that, that then you like they do the attribution yep. and the, and, and the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So we got to talk to the owner of it probably two years ago at this point in time. And I was BSing with them. I'm like, hey, man, like, what are some interesting insights that you've seen? And then by this point, they tracked $3 billion in spend. So they had a ton of insights. And he's like, you know, like, you always hear about this direct response model. And then also against traditional marketing. He's like, at the end of the day, they're people. People are predictable. They have certain buying behaviors. You have to be able to see. And he's the one that came up, well, I should came up with this, but helped validify it behind all that spend really 15 to 20 points of contact before they'll trust you to do anything. And he's like, generally it takes a buyer 42 days to think about, Hey, I might be in the market for this and then actually make a buying decision. He's like, you got 42 days to date. So that's literally what we do with our clients. It's like, all right, what do you want to do with first date, second date, third date, fourth date, fifth date? Cause it's no different than us. Dude, if I got on Tinder, like I'm a happily married man, if I got on Tinder, I go on a first date with somebody in the middle of my first date, I ask them to marry me. Like as marketers, that's what we tend to do way too damn often. But like, slow your roll. You got time. And we got a ton of data to be able to show that you have plenty of time to build those relationships and give value first before we ever ask for anything in return. I love it, man. I love it. So that that makes me think of the the other pillar of things I want to talk to you about, which is this I everybody and their mother I know is a digital marketing agency. Um, <laughs> yep. Right? Yep. You are a guy that's been around for 14 years. That tells me that you were doing this before Facebook ads. Right? Exactly. Huge line of demarcation for me. How has how has the environment changed and how has it stayed the same? That's a good question. So obviously there's a lot more noise out there. The uh, barrier to entry is a lot less. So one of, it's human nature. I mean, you love human behavior and all that. One of the things that we're just naturally really good at is costly signaling. So the best example of it, like peacocks. You know, for a peacock to really grow all those feathers and everything, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of food, a lot of time, a lot of everything. And it's not like they use that to fly. What they do, they use it for mating purposes. But then a female peacock sees it, what a peahen or or whatever the heck, uh, they'll see, you know, the the beautiful bloom. And they'll be attracted because that shows her, oh, my God, you know how to get food. You know, you must be pretty safe or know where to go to remain safe and all that. So it's costly signaling. Same thing with like a diamond ring, you know, on a, on a, a woman's hand. It's costly signaling. So we're really, really good at that and being able to tell. So now if I see an advertisement, a billboard and TV ad, something traditional, is it natural? Like they must have some cash, which means they've been around for a while, which means they are sustainable, which means XYZ builds mm-hmm. back to safety. Digital, it's a lot lower threshold. People realize, oh yeah, I can throw up a Facebook ad and literally I can spend five bucks 
and you might see it. So what we always take a look at, what's that balance? What can we put out there? We, we give that people, because when they're looking for a solution, they want a sense of certainty. That's what they're buying from anybody is that certainty that, hey, I'm going to have a good time on vacation. I'm going to hire the CPA agent, you know, the accountant, that are going to keep me out of jail. They're going to do my taxes right. Like you're just looking for certainty. So on the advertising side of it, we try to figure out different ways we can really build, build that certainty in their mind to make that buying decision. And sometimes people just fall in love with the tool. Digital is awesome. I love digital, but it's a tool. You know, it shouldn't be the only thing that you have. Sometimes it's like trying to, you know, use a hammer to screw something in, if you will. Am I interjecting my pre-beliefs here or am I hearing that when you say certainty, certainty is like one part accountability deliverable, another part tangibility? Like, is there, like, are you saying that the certainty piece, it's like, well, at least I saw that my billboard's up there and I see my face all the time. So other people must be seeing it. That's certain. Is that what you're talking about? Like, or what do you mean by certainty? So sometimes certainty is just like, hey, if I'm going to hire you to do this, is that, all right, you got a proven track record. It, I see your stuff all over the place. So you must have been around for a while. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're just really good at marketing. But it gives me that sense of certainty really, that I'm making the right decision. Especially if it's not, you're at the boss and it's not your money and you have to justify it. You really have a higher um, you know, level of certainty you have to hit to be able to make that buying decision. Mm-hmm. And there is a certain level that people gain automatically when it's more in the physical world not just the digital world. Like if I, tangible, if I can, here we go. This is like a box mailer we did for somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have the box mailer and it's a physical thing and it's a Lego set they can open up. And when it's all been done, it ends up becoming like a you know, bus like this, a Lego bus, which is always a blast. Cool. But again, it's like, all right, this person, this organization must have their poop in a group, to, you know, lack of a better term. They must really have a good idea because now physically I can interact with them not just digitally. And I think that's one thing that tends to miss some companies is that physical aspect of things. Yeah, that's very interesting, man. That brings me back to my green building consulting days when you know all, every, all, all everybody ever wanted to talk about was a solar panel, but it's way more cost efficient to do some air sealing and to invest in you know like better insulation, stuff that you don't see. It has True. a much yep, higher yep, ROI, yep. but there's no way that you're going to beat your chest and show your you know, like tap your wall to your neighbor, be like, feel that it's airtight, bro. You know, whereas like, you know, like, look at my solar panel. I look rich, right? That's so true. That is so true. And that is a good example of costly signaling. Might not be the most effective thing, but hey, it's what people can see. And I identify that, you know, and so yeah, that's a damn good example. So what, so what stuff works, man? Like I, you know, I have a buddy that has his face on a part bench. He like, he doesn't get busy. It's not like he had, he's a nurse anesthesiologist and a real estate investor flipper guy and like commercial real estate. But he bought, he bought this like bench, this bus bench with his face on it that just says life coaching and advice. And it's like his face. And I'm like, bro, that's freaking genius, dude. You know, like talk about personal branding of just like having your face on a park bench as a regular dude, the, the level that that kicks in. What is, what are, underestimated old school tactics like that, that people don't realize actually have a really, really good, like tangible, either brand lift or, 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 or value stuff. Good question. So one of the comments that we get all the time is dude, direct mail's dead. Like people don't pay attention to mail. It's dead. And like, I got data, like we've done a campaign, direct mail campaign where we had a 40% close rate. What they asked was, was a set up a meeting. 40% of the people we sent the direct mail piece, they end up getting on the phone to have a meeting. 
And if you do it right, like things can work out. The way that we always talk about with clients, like it's not like having to direct mail plus billboard plus digital plus TV. If you do those four things, it's a multiplication thing. Because what happens is that, you know, the first thing will multiply the awareness, the second, which multiplies the third and just adds up that much more credibility that quicker. So a couple of things, one direct mail can work out really, really well. You can't just send them, you know, a, a white envelope with a letter inside. Like it needs to be something really kind of sticks out that's different, like that Lego thing. We've done periscopes before. Hell, we've done coasters, like just old people coasters, mm-hmm. and they'll sit on their desk for a long, long time. The key behind it is giving something that could be useful, or they'd feel guilty of throwing away. So maybe they don't, they're not interested right now, but you know what? This is a nice pricey piece. I'm just going to put it over there on the side. They'll find it and they'll see it again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helps. The other side of it too, like TV. TV can still work out really, really well. A lot of times TV, like for Hulu or Google Live and all that, you'll see some of the same commercials that take place. But the key behind it when we're talking with our clients isn't to buy you know, all of Miami and buy ads in all of Miami. Let's select five zip codes. We're going to select five zip codes. We're only going to show the ads on HDTV, Travel Channel, Bravo, and you know, one other thing. And chunk it down zip code to zip code because that way it's not nearly expensive, as expensive, and it's a hell of a lot more targeted if you're trying to do an entire metro area. So we tell our clients to do that a lot too and help guide that whole media buy. And that's, what's the term for that? OTB or something like that? It's like OT something or another? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, was it OTO? Some, yeah. some like, I know it's OT something. It's over yeah. the something, right? Like it's over the yeah, t- you, OTT. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> OTT, OTT. Like I see these acronyms all the damn time. I'm like, I, I recognize this. I don't remember what the hell it is right now. Yeah. So what's like... I've never, I've never, I've never dipped my toe into that world, but I've had ideas of doing stuff. What's, what's the key to doing that? Like what, what's like a minimum, how, how do you buy something for OTT? Like, do you have to produce like a piece of content that you know is going to work on a certain format? And then how do you buy? Can you get, can you talk me through that a little bit? Yeah. So a lot of times what we try to do is test it out on social media first. Yeah. You know, what's the message? What's the image? What is the video, if you will, especially if it's TV, like the test out there. Because cost per impression, not as cheap as it once was, but it's still going to be a lot cheaper um, than it is if you do it over TV or radio or anything along those lines. Find out what works with your audience really well there, and then just build it for, again, TV in this example, or print ad. Find out what image, what headline interacts with them the most in that world for, I mean, hell, you do some of this testing for a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. Totally. Which is a hell of a lot better than spending $1,500 or $5,000 kind of on a TV drop, if you will. Mm-hmm. So we'll test it out there. And then sometimes you have to create new content because maybe your Facebook video is a great Facebook video, but obviously it's not polished enough to be able to move it over to, to TV. But you can still take the same insights and the same message in the same direction and really polish it up. Generally, we'd recommend it going through a, a like a true like marketing company, videographers along those lines. Most TV channels will shoot videos for you. But it's going to look exactly the same as every other video that they shoot. You know, it's kind of the same look and feel and all that. And it's much better to go with kind of an outside creative agency that can really pull it together. So it's not the same thing again and again and again. Got it, dude. So you bring up something that my first client ever, do you know who Brendan Kane is? Brendan Kane. The One Million Followers book. He's uh, he's got Hook Point. So he was my first client ever. And if you read one One Million Followers, right? Like he basically he realized that all the money that the entertainment industry was spending on running like test groups to like market a movie <clears throat> when the Facebook out, al- when the Facebook ad library came out, it's like, 
all that budget, you don't need it anymore. Right. So it's like this idea of testing things using, using the Facebook ad algorithm and, 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 and the the digital space just to test stuff for whatever you're going to do. Right. So like, it reminds me a lot of what you're saying, right? Like test, if you're going to, if you're going to publish a book, spend 200 bucks testing out five variations of your book cover so that, you know, like that all adds to the fire. If you're going to run an OTT ad, if you're going to run a billboard, you know, like spend variations by zip code that says, I'm going to hang this billboard on the zip code. You know, I should, I should test this messaging. What's going to get, what's going to work well. Right. Like that's, that's what it's reminding me of. Is that kind of like what you're doing of weaving in between like the old and new mediums when you talk about that three layer strategy? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we had an opportunity here locally with the department of health and human services. And one of the things they wanted to do was a bunch of focus groups. Well, unless you are a health facilitator on focus groups, like they're not nearly as good as what people believe that they really truly are. A lot of times you'll have an alpha or a couple of alphas that will drive the conversation and other people that want to speak up. A facilitator isn't that good. They'll allow them to dominate. Like there's so many issues that can pop up. So one of the things we talked about, especially this is during COVID, well, let's just run a bunch of online stuff for all this testing, messaging, and hooks and all those type of things to figure out what's resonating. And then we'll look up the data. If your target audience is 35 to 54 with these, you know, other criteria, let's look that up. These people interacted with this message and this hook, perfect. Let's pull that on over. And because we both know this, what people say and what they do, two completely different things. Totally. So on focus group, I'll tell you I'm going to do this, but in reality, I won't. Yeah. So yeah, you know, put the money where the their mouth is and they'll show you exactly what they're doing. Love it, dude. Very, very cool, man. That That's bringing me back to kind of what, first open up my eyes to to marketing before I realized that I was going to end up in marketing is behavioral economics, right? Like this idea that mm-hmm. humans are irrational actors and whatever they're telling you they're going to do is not really what they do. So, you know, yep. the, Dude, just ask, ask any wife, any wife will tell you that. <laughs> hey, I, I told you I was going to take out the garbage. Give me, you know, always, oh, it'll happen. Yeah, that's a bad fo- focus group of one. Do you remember how we met, man? Yeah, it was through Sullivan made the intro through one of his connector groups. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, part of what I like to talk about on the podcast is often like, how do we meet and, and why do you like me just to reverse engineer and give kind of like tips of what, you know, like I see you as somebody who I want to be like in five to 10 years, right? Like you've built up a business very similar to where I want to be. So what makes you take my call? What, what made you want to follow up with me? Just kind of, if you, it's not, I'm not asking you to flatter me. I'm just kind of giving like advice yeah. on like what, what attracts somebody that you want to be like to, to be in your life. The biggest thing was your energy in your energy level and just being attracted to somebody with that much energy overall, which I love it because he has that passion. And we've all been in conversations with people that have just low energy and it's like pulling teeth, trying to talk more. And then I just loved in how you're able to take somebody, you know, the real estate client and kind of make them the star of the show. You help facilitate it. You help carry those conversations and pull all this stuff together. So the entrepreneur can really focus on what the entrepreneur does best. It shows up and performs where then you can do a bunch of this other stuff so again, your real estate clients, that they don't have to be the one that had, all right, well, what's this detail? How about I edit this video? What question do I ask here? How about this over there? Like you allow people to do what they really do best. And you kind of get out of the way because you know there's some podcasts or some hosts that have happened before. They want to be the star and you're good at making that other person the star in a very conversational way, which is a true, true talent. That is an Excellent, excellent compliment, man. Like, I really appreciate that, right? Like, because that's very much a, number one, that's very much a learned behavior for me. 
Right. Like it, it wasn't until my, it wasn't until my early thirties where I was like, okay, I can't just soak up the oxygen of every room that I walk into. That's not long-term going to help me make good friends. And right. once, once I flipped it, so I talk about this often, right? Like I talk about this idea that you got to figure out what your superpower is, right? Like what you're really good at that you, that you love doing. And then the next step is to figure out how to serve others with it in order to be able to do it more often. And then it's like, yeah. how do you monetize that service in a genuine fashion? And then it's how do you build a business around it, right? So like the way that you just described that was really, really validating, man. I really appreciate that because that's, that's awesome. you know, what I've learned to do in order to be able to make good friends like you, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, definitely lead with value first, knowing some of this other stuff is going to happen down the road. Yeah, man. I appreciate that, dude. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. Then you ready for the lightning round, dude? Uh-oh. Have at it. Bam, 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 bam. All right. What is your favorite restaurant? Where is it? And what do you order? Two things. One here in Lincoln, Nebraska, it's Momo's Pizzeria. And they have this uh, chicken pizza that I get every time. And it's so good. It has eggs on it as well. I fell in love with eggs. Well, I've always liked eggs, but eggs on random stuff. Exactly. I love it. So I always like hard boiled eggs. Um, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's yep. good. Yeah. If I'm down in Texas, any place that has breakfast tacos, which is all kinds of places at this point in time, but that's the other place that I love to be able to hit up. Dude, if you ever go down to Miami, there's a there's a taco place called Wawa's, like Chihuahua. On, okay, yeah. on the bottom part of like Lincoln Road, like the the like the on the other side of 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 Alton Road from Lincoln Road that has these breakfast tacos, dude, that are the best I've ever had. Like I would always order them. It's just this like texture where they fry the egg, but it's also crispy. And dude, it would like a little bit of, like shredded beef. Highly, highly recommend. So good. So good. So good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I was getting hungry. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what content are you most into right now? This can be Netflix series du jour. It could be what book are you reading? It could be whose podcast you're binging on, right? Like what, what content is shaping the way you look at stuff right now? Chris Boss. He was a hostage negotiator, wrote the book, Never Split the Difference, loved his book, took his master class, going through that whole side of it now, getting ready to finish that up. Like that stuff intrigues the hell out of me. So, so you're talking about your buddy that's, you know, yeah. the FBI side of it. Oh my God, like I eat that stuff up. I'll, uh, I'll send you his. Uh, so my FBI guys, it's called the code of trust is the, the code way that to like build trust. And then they're sizing people up, which is how you can predict trust. Just check out his, I'll send you, I'll send you my podcast with him. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Appreciate that. Or, or if you just look him up on podcasts, like I literally, I, I literally heard, first of all, I love Chris Foss, right? Like yeah. never, never split the difference, bro. By like midway through chapter two, I started using mirroring when I was speaking to my wife in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, this shit yeah. works. Yeah. <laughs> unreal unreal yes. what's the five word email that you said yes. have yes. you given up on this yes and it worked every time like we've every had people time. ghost us for weeks to months they'll respond to that within hours every time it's yeah so good that by the way that email that template for the email thing of like how you revive a dead email is the number one thing that I talk about from that book. Like that, like I've used that a thousand yeah. times. It's amazing. It's awesome. So yeah, love Chris Voss. This guy, Robin Dreek, man. If you just like look him up on any, like look up his name on any podcast platform. Like I, I heard him on, I think the science of success podcast. And I immediately went down the rabbit hole of like, look for him on every podcast I could. And then I went out and listened to his two books. Really good stuff. I'll check it out. I'll yeah, check yeah, it out. Cool. Awesome. So you did the master, you did the Chris Voss masterclass, huh? Is it, is it more yeah. involved? Is it like, what's the difference between a masterclass and like reading the book? So masterclass really breaks it down into more tangible things you can take and execute on. And really at the end of everyone is like, think about this and think about this and think about this. It brings in some different stories. So I don't know if it's repeated, 
for sure. But then he'll even bring in people and show you exactly how it works. It's like, oh, okay. Because sometimes in the book, when I was listening to it, at least, it's like, okay, but that sounds, it doesn't sound like a conversation necessarily. It kind of sounds like a little bit more give and take, but now like it flows into a conversation. Like, oh my God, how did you get that? It's cool. Other thing in that book, my business partner likes to do the, the DJ radio voice when he's in the <laughs> He's like, dude, I yep. used my DJ radio voice and I got like, you know, we negotiated somebody from like 3,800 bucks a month to 2,500 bucks a month. <laughs> yep, yep. See, I didn't realize this. Back in the day, I used to be in telemarketing. Uh-huh. And so in telemarketing, this is back in like early 2000s when it still worked out really fairly well, is we'd start East Coast and work, you know, Central Time and so forth. And by the end of my shift, I'd be calling people California area. Well, by the end of my shift, like I was just chill. So I would have the, the AM DJ voice, you know, or late night DJ voice kind of going naturally. And I would kill it. I had no idea at the time. That's what I was doing. But looking back, and I'm like, oh my God, no wonder why I was able to sell so well once I got those people on the phone. Dude, I never I never thought about it until he did it the other day. And I was like, okay, Isar, you got it, bro. Like, this is why I have an Israeli business partner because I want somebody that negotiates. So yeah, exactly. Right. What is something that you were sure about in your 20s that you no longer believe? I was thinking about this. Marijuana. Like I used to be like hundred percent against it. This is fucking terrible. Like it kills people. It's going to ruin society. <laughs> like all this stuff. And I was never into it. Like first time I ever smoked, I was, I don't know, probably 34. So like five years ago, six years ago type of thing. But it was like the more the research kind of came out, the more people talked about it, the more that I was around it, the more like just kind of everything. I'm like, oh my God, like there's so many additional benefits to this. And it's not just, you know, the stereotypical stoners that just want to get high and whatever else. Like, I know people use it all the time just to be able to sleep, just to be able to like almost control their ADD. Like my brother broke his collarbone a couple of years ago. And so he was on, I think, Oxy and something else. And dude, he just couldn't function. He was in a brain fog. Like, sorry, but he couldn't poop. Like nothing at all. And they have got some THC butter, I guess, and use that. And he's like, I can function. You know, everything's good again. I don't have brain fog. Like, you know, it's just a completely different way to take a look at medication let alone, you know, some other benefits potentially of it too. So yeah, that's one of the big things that completely changed my mind on. That's funny, man. I, I was Mr. Against pot also going into college. Like, right. Like I grew up in Miami. So like, I, dude, I, I, st- there was so many drugs around Miami in the nineties, right? Like South beach. And oh, yeah. now for me, like the yeah. distinction between me and everybody else that wasn't a fuck up was that I didn't do drugs. Right. So like yep. Yep. I lumped marijuana in with it and I, I got to college as like Mr. Totally anti-weed and super buzzkill guy. And by the time I left it, I still wasn't particularly into it. And then very similar to your brother. I lived in, I lived in California. I broke my, I broke my, my wrist. I got the medical permit because I didn't want to be taking a Vicodin every five minutes. And then yeah, yeah. Uh, at some point I started replacing it with scotch with that. Right. Like, and it's like, Oh man, I don't feel, I don't feel as bad that, you know, like, you know, the, just on the recreational part, and then I've been very much having my eyes open to like the entire industry and just how, you know, it can really be a, it's just a less harsh, you know, overall medication. And, and yeah. Yeah. And this thing here in Nebraska, obviously Nebraska is huge when it comes to agriculture. Like it's the perfect Economic uh, rotating crop. Yeah. yeah. To be able to throw in there, like it can make so much cash. And eh, Nebraska is pretty conservative, especially the current governor we got. So yeah. it's going to be after either it's going to happen federally first, or once you get booted out and get somebody else in, might kind of open up some of those opportunities. But you just look at the money 
and again, money doesn't solve everything. Yada, yada, no, yada. No. Yeah. Yeah. The, the opportunity aspect of it. So, yeah, 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 exactly. Opportunity is a damn good way to put yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. Cause it's, cause it's not just that, you know, it's the entire category of it, right? Like it's the infrastructure for it. Like it's a lot of different jobs, right? Like, yeah, it makes a lot yep. of sense. All right. What is your favorite, by the way, this is the worst lightning round ever, just for the record, but it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is, the most, this is a lot of thunder with the lightning. What's your favorite piece of advice either that you've ever gotten or your go-to piece of advice that you'd like to give? It's a good friend of mine, Boyd Over, told me years ago, you need to get the fuck out of your own way. And it's so true. There's so many times when I notice like things just aren't going well. And it's because I'm a bottleneck. Like, dude, just get out of the way, hand it off, you know, or do whatever you need to do and just get out of your own way. And so I go back to that a ton. Dude, I echo with that big time, man. I, I think of that. I think about that when you're talking about like mindfulness and presence, right? Like I'm, 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 I'm thinking about that when I'm thinking, stop telling yourself oh, you're, you're play small thing, right? Like yeah. you, that voice inside your head is the least kind person that you normally talk to. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. So if yeah. you can, if you can shut that person up, maybe, maybe you can get out of your own way. Right. Nope, exactly. Before I get to last question, right? I'm on a link to MalleyMarketing.com, Twitter at Steve Malley, Facebook Malley Marketing, your LinkedIn. Either what's the best place to reach you or do you want people to go somewhere? Like what's your, this is your promote whatever you want to promote or draw attention to whatever you want to draw attention to. Like you got the stage, whatever you want here. Yeah, I appreciate that. So we've won a ton of awards on the tourism side of it over the years. Like I said, we're trying to really expand our footprint. Uh, we've done a ton throughout the Midwest, but now it's kind of going coast to coast. So we put together mollytourism.com, M-A-L-Y tourism.com. So if you want to see any of the case studies and the you know, stats basically behind some of the clients we worked with and the results we've been able to get for them and see the type of work we've been able to do, well, I'd say that's definitely the best place to check it out. And you can always see what we've done here kind of on a local level on just Facebook, you know, Molly Marketing on Facebook, that works. I am on Twitter. I'm not as overly active on Twitter. I've kind of gone back and forth. I'm like, oh yeah, I should dive into this more. I love it kind of as a personal tool. Uh, but I don't use it as a voice very often. But I'd say the best two places are, you know, mollytourism.com or Molly Marketing. And I'm definitely more than open to having, you know, 15, 30 minute phone conversation with people. I love talking shop, love BSing. We talked to somebody actually down in Georgia's day. And he's like, well, what about this and this? You know, data, basically online data. I'm like, all right, well, we run a ton of traffic. Like, I know these insights, I know these numbers really, really well. That's great. That's good. This one can use a bunch of improvement. So if people are just looking for like an audit or an outside perspective on stuff, more than happy to chat with them. Awesome, man. Last question that I ask everybody is, where did you find community? Good question. So I've always been a huge networker. Just kind of fell into it. Didn't realize it until, you know, kind of looking back, trying to connect the dots. And so it was always that sense of community, either here at the local level, networking, or going like traffic and conversion, for example. Big conference in San Diego. We'd have clients go up there and we always do kind of a small party out there for about you know 100 of our closest friends and clients. Like that was always just a blast to be able to kind of get together. I'm much more of a guy that'd rather hang out. Like if it's a group of 100 people, cool. But I'd rather chat with like three or four people at a side, you know, from time to time and just kind of jump around than necessarily try to be the, the center of attention with everything. And then there's a couple of Facebook groups that I love being able to kind of dive in and, and nerd out. One of them is the mastermind that I belong to, Baby Bathwater. You can find out a bunch of things. Trends. I'm in the Facebook group as well for trends. And there's a really, really good sense of kind of community inside of that. I do miss the physical aspect. So since we do so much in tourism, we would sponsor a lot of these conferences. A lot of times we would host the happy hour room, if you will. And just the conversations you get into, 
Like it's dude, it's just amazing. It's so much fun. So that's what I love being able to connect and really kind of get get deep with people. That's why I want to be best friends with you, man. Like I listen, all, all <laughs> those all of those settings that you described are my are 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 the settings that I think turned me into who I am today, man. So I, I very much echo with all that stuff. Steve, thanks for coming on, man. Like I like I said, right? You a couple of things. Number one, you strike me as this super open dude that leads with value. Very, very easy to talk to, man. It's really refreshing. Like your face calms me down for whatever reason, man. So it's, it's great to be in your presence. And, and, and again, man, I, I am, I am really, really grateful to see somebody that shows up like that and to be like, okay, man, if I do things right, maybe I can show up like that and have the the business and, and, and the career that you're having. So I'm just really grateful that I can be in your circle and, and we can have these moments, man. And I appreciate you showing up the way that you do, man. Thank you for coming on. You betcha. I loved it. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. The key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, understanding their value, and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record-breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my email list on my website because coming soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.